Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future Technologies, poised to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Technology, Future Tech Podcast. Almost here, around the corner technologies. I'm talking to Bruce Sinclair, uh, CEO and founder of IoT-Inc.com. How you doing, Bruce? Hey, Rich. I'm doing good. Thanks for inviting me on your show. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the Internet of Things. Um, can you tell listeners what IoT Inc. does? And uh, yeah. Yeah, IoT Inc. I mean, there's there's kind of a few parts to it. There's IoTInc.com, which is the website. And for anyone that's listening that wants to jump into the Internet of Things, both on the technical and on the business side, um, IoT Inc. Uh, has plenty of interviews with uh, thought leaders, with both on the business and technical, on on the technical side, as I was saying, and has videos. It has um, articles and references to meetups. So lots of media to be consumed in different ways, all on the Internet of Things, explaining, more or less explaining what the Internet of Things is and then how to use it in your business. Yeah, well, can you give listeners a brief description to get them excited? You know, what is the Internet of Things and what are uh, a couple applications that you see it being used for? Well, the Internet of Things is, on one side, it's really, you know, something that, that's a technical evolution. So, effectively, it is the connectivity or the reaching out of the Internet into more and more things. In this case, they're physical objects. So, the Internet has been, over its whole history, has been extending further and further into the world. And the Internet of Things, at its most basic level, is connecting the Internet to objects. But if you think about the Internet of Things, it's really a lot more than connectivity. And sometimes, you know, you, you might have heard this, Rich, but sometimes people will refer to smart products or they'll refer to connected products. But I really, I really like to make a differentiation between them and an Internet product. A smart product would be something, you know, that we've had for many years. Maybe it has some local intelligence on it and it can make some, some simple decisions. So you could even think of like a, a clothes dryer as an example that you have in your house, you could consider that a smart product. So I don't like using, you know, that term. A connected product, again, you know, it really does limit what the Internet can do. So a connected product, just going on with the same example of a, of a clothes dryer within the home, perhaps it sends you a message when your clothes are ready. Perhaps there's a camera inside. You can see your clothes as they're ready. Um, perhaps you can turn it, you know, you can remotely uh, turn it on and off from your office. But again, you know, that really doesn't, that doesn't bring that much value. And I think value is an operative word here when you're, when you're talking about the Internet of Things. Now, the Internet, if you think of it in its entirety, is a lot more than just plumbing. And that, I think, right. is, again, you know, on the connectivity side. So you need to think about what we're being able to run applications, being able to do analytics. So technically, you know, we've had all these parts before. We've had the networking. Yeah, it's extending, you know, into into objects. We've had the analytics. Um, we've had the applications. But bring it together is something new. But really, the revolution comes in to what you can do with products once you've been 
embedded them or once you've embowed them with the Internet of Things. And this is and this is being able to well, I like to say that the killer app for the Internet of Things is outcomes. And okay. you know what that means is being able to to do something a little bit beyond like a product is more or less a means to an end. You know, so you when you when you think about buying products, you're buying a product whether it's a consumer or a business and you're trying to solve a point product, a point problem I should say. Okay, that that's great. But really it's a means to an end because what you're trying to do is get a particular outcome. And so in the example of the dryer for, you know, using that a little bit further on an internet of things dryer, we'd go a little bit further. We would say, "All right, what what do we want to do with this particular model?" One one situation could be we want to dry the clothes as quickly as possible. Another situation might be or another value proposition may be we want to uh, dry the clothes for as least money as possible. So then we get into okay. the science a little bit, right? And we think, okay, what is it, what's happening when you're drying clothes? Well, when you're drying clothes, it's a process of evaporation. You're, you're, taking, you're, you're taking something from a liquid to a gas. And then if you look at the dryer, how does that work? Well, you've got, you've got heat and you've got, and you've got ventilation. And these are the two methods. You know how you can... Put your clothes, you know, people don't really do this that much anymore. At least I don't see it, but on a, it used to be you'd hang your clothes outside and even on a cold right. day it could dry, right? And that's because there's an yep. evaporation. So if you think about it, the, the wind's going by and it's knocking off all the, high, all the H2O molecules that are on the surface of the clothes. Heating up, same thing, in a different way, they're, get, they're jumping up. Now, if you think about an Internet of Things dryer, what we want to do is we want to quantify and that is with a model, we want to quantify the process of evaporation in the context of the dryer. And so that is how fast is the, does the dryer turn, you know, the rotational uh, velocity of the drum. How fast right. is the air blowing, you know, from the fan? What's the temperature? And so by putting together these, all these different variables, you can build a model. And by ha when you have a mathematical model, you can start doing really interesting things. And that is... You know, two examples would be, all right, in the, with this weight of this type of clothes, we can estimate your clothes will be dry exactly in 22 minutes and 15 seconds because we have a model of it. Or it could be it's going to cost you, if you do it now, it's going to cost you $6 or $0.06 cents to dry your clothes, but if you do it at this time, it'll be around $0.03, cents, you know, when do you want to do it. So this is, these are examples of creating value with the Internet of Things that I think is more important than just that connectivity or that smart, you know, that you often hear about when you're reading about the Internet of Things. Well, taking the dryer analogy further, so if someone wanted, you could send an update to their smartphone saying, hey, your clothes are dry in five minutes, go get them. Or something's wrong and it's taking too long to dry your clothes versus normal. Maybe the dryer is broken. Maybe the service could alert, you know, the appliance repair company, um, I mean, the company itself that makes the dryer could mm -hmm. see all its dryers in the field and see how they're performing and um, gauge, I mean, I guess other factors about it. Um, I guess there's a lot of things you can do, right? Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do, but I think the operative, you know, the operative uh, thinking is what are people going to pay for? So recently I was walking through a Sears and so, you know, a large uh, department store near where I live, and we always had to go through to get to the mall. We need to go through the appliance section, 
And I did see, you know, a, a pretty fancy um, dryer. And I was stopped by, you always dread this, right? But I was stopped by the appliance salesperson. I was with my son. And I asked him, well, do you have any Internet of Things dryers? And, and, and he said yes. And then he did go through, you know, similar to what you said, it can send you a message when your clothes are dry. And then I asked him what the price was. And the price was right. around $600 more than the non-Internet of Things dryer. And so that's, what, you know, I think, Rich, that's where, that's where everyone needs to, to think about the Internet of Things, at least from a business perspective. It's creating value that people pay something for. You know, you mentioned right. the manufacturer, and this is, this is an area called predictive analytics. And applying predictive analytics to maintenance, you've got predictive maintenance. And so in predictive maintenance, you could you could estimate when a part is going to break down and then alert the repair person. You know, so so long not to belabor this dryer, but um, I have an old dryer. I think my dryer is maybe 15, 15 years old. Maybe it's even a little bit older. No, I think it's about fifteen years right. old. Anyway, maybe a couple of years ago, it started squeaking, like really, really loud. And I did an investigation, and anyone listening now, you can actually do squeaking dryer, and you'll see there's, there's, these, there's these little parts, there's these rollers, and the drum sits on these rollers, and if they get out of round, so if they're not perfectly round over time, which they, you know, they grind down, then they'll start making this terrible squeaking noise. So it turned out I was shopping for, I was shopping for dryer stick, and I had to replace it, and then I thought, oh, I'll take a look and just see what the problem is. So it was actually a $5 problem. You know, the part was only a $5 problem. But right. in that case, you know, okay, it makes a lot of sense that I fixed it. I watched the YouTube video and I repaired it. So then, you know, if you look at it from the manufacturer's point of view, is that something they want to do? You know, my dryer obviously wasn't under warranty, but if it was under warranty, you know, would that make sense? And again, you need to look at it from a business perspective. And this takes us into these different business models. So with the Internet of Things, it can go beyond, let's say, just you buy a dryer. You would buy a dryer as a service, right? You've heard of this, right? You know, um, right, right. Power, power by the hour, right? This is something that was originally developed by Rolls-Royce, and, and now GE adopts it, and, and no one really buys a jet engine anymore. What they do is they buy power, they buy, they buy thrust for a certain period of time, and then the more that they use it, the more that they pay for it. So you think about the dryer where it could go if you did have it wired up like like we're talking here. And it could be that Maytag, let's pretend it was Maytag, um, the dryer I saw was a Samsung dryer, but let's say it's Maytag. They could say, well, uh, Bruce, uh, you no longer have to buy a dryer. What you do is you spend, and I'll just use a number here, uh, $7 a month, and you've got the best dryer. You know, you will completely replace it. We'll update it with new features, like a Tesla car, right? Well, you'll get new software right, updates right. to it. And then it starts making sense, right? Because if they have an asset and you're using it, they want to maximize, they want to maximize the value out of it. Then in that case, they might be able to recognize with a sensor, oh, that roller, that, that, that roller, when we see this type of situation, and that might be the friction, the, co the friction coefficient or something along those lines, maybe the temperature, mm -hmm with the sensors, they go, ah, oh, you know what, we see this, and this is done through analytics, when we see this type of, uh, of a failure signature, we know that it's going to start squeaking like crazy in a week or two. 
And so that would be right. the case, like what you said, where you'd send the message to the technician and say, listen, Bruce has a dryer. We recognize it's going to start squeaking. We want him to be a happy customer because he can get rid of our dryer at any time, get a new one. Right. So please go down there and replace this $5 part. All right. So this is where, sure. this is where it's really important. You know, I'm, I'm originally a techie and I love the technology as much as the next person, but when you start looking at the Internet of Things, and I would argue with all new technologies that you cover on your show, you really need to think about it from the business perspective and what makes sense and, and how you can make money out of it and how you can basically, you know, what it comes down to is how do you create value that you can monetize. And, and so, you know, it's kind of a fun example, but I think the dryer kind of shows us from a, a couple of different angles. Yeah, it's, it, it makes sense. So the Internet of Things will turn a lot of objects that we normally would buy and own into services. So yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, any services, other major services is like, yeah, the well, services is like one is one capability, but now, you know, let's go a little bit beyond that. So services makes a lot of sense. Let's say, you know, if you think about autonomous vehicles at some point, it's, it's going to be likely that you don't buy a car any longer. Right. And this is why the, the large, uh, automobile manufacturers are now investing heavily into autonomous vehicles because you know the, the dirty secret is that once you have an autonomous vehicle, it doesn't necessarily have to be yours if it's going to be sitting in your garage or at your work parking lot. I think the statistic is most cars are sitting for over 90% of the time. They're not being used for over 90% yep. of the time. So then you might, you know, then you might say, okay, it makes sense, you know, to to have a service model. So you only it'd be maybe like an Uber type application where you only you only pay for it when you use it. But it can go beyond that. If you think about this this killer app that I brought up, and that's with outcomes, you could pay for, and I'll go more on the commercial side of things, but you could pay for an outcome instead. And, you know, one example is I have a meetup in the Silicon Valley. If anyone's in the area, they can, they can look it up. It's the IoT business meetup. And one of our guests that we had there was a company called Parstream. Parstream did real-time analytics. And actually, um, they were acquired by, by Cisco. But they were telling the story of one of their customers. And their customers are system integrators. And they use their software in these large wind farms. So in China, which is... Um, which is uh, the largest, I guess, uh, producer of wind energy through these large turbine wind farms. One of their one of their integrators went to one of the largest uh, wind farm operators in China and said, "Look, it, we're going to install all this software. We're going to install sensors. We're going to make your wind farm state of the art, and it's not going to okay. cost you a penny. But what we want is we want to effectively get a percentage of, of the profit, of the increase in, in profit that we can provide you. And so from a wind right. farm operator, you know, they don't want to own these big turbines. They don't want to pay for the turbines on an hourly basis. What they really want is to be able to make the most amount of money, you know, with the least amount of cost. And so in this case, they use Parstream's technology to analyze the angles of the blades, how to change different blades, on different turbines, depending on where they are, where other turbines are situated relative to them. And then they went in and they saved this company, you know, all this money. And this gets more down to outcomes where in outcome business models, you're providing a certain, you know, you're providing a certain service 
but it's actually you're just paying for that service as opposed to by the hour or, or some other metric like this. So this is, I think, what's you know revolutionary. As I was saying earlier, the Internet of Things, technically, it's evolutionary. But from a business perspective, it's really revolutionary. Well, let's give some examples. You know, we, we talked about autonomous cars. It's like, uh, I guess you would summon the car on demand and you wouldn't own one, uh, wouldn't sit in your garage. You know, the dryer, it's drying as a service. What are some other services people may not even think about or ones you think will have a big impact? Well, I mean, I think, you know, a, a useful way to look at the, inter thing, the Internet of Things is in four categories. You have consumer Internet of Things, you have commercial Internet of Things, industrial Internet of Things, and then infrastructure Internet of Things. So just some examples, just rattling through them. Um, on consumer Internet of Things, well, smartwatches, right? Um, things like the Apple Watch, the uh, Fitbit. Um, these, are, these are consumer Internet of Things products. And you get into the home, these are also consumer Internet of Things products like smart doorbells, where you walk up to the door, and there's a camera, and you can interact with the person, whether they're sitting on the couch five feet away from the door or whether they're in, you know, a business trip 5,000 miles away. You've got right. locks. You've got, you know, the smart homes. So you've, you know, you've probably heard that. Cars, again, you know, looking at it, that would be a consumer. And when you move into commercial, then you start getting into the areas of telematics, and you get into the areas of fintech, and you start getting into the areas of, of how do you commercialize IoT. Um, so this might be transportation, so logistics. So instead of smart cars, it's now smart trucks. They are then connected up to smart um, shipping containers, smart railways, and again, they're all kind of synchronized uh, to deliver some you know, particular outcome. And then you might have heard industrial internet. This would be anywhere where you're making things, so whether it's manufacturing or smart agriculture or um, anything where there's something new that's being created. So the you know an example would be uh, would be the smart factory, you know, uh, where now one of the big areas in in automation is going what they call mass specialization. And what mass specialization is is using Internet of Things technology to be able to produce custom versions of mass-produced products. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because it was I first heard of this from one of my guests. Tanya Rucker, who is uh, the head of IoT for SAP, and she was on my podcast, and she was talking about this, and she was a simple example of uh, a watch, and where you could engrave on that watch your name or some, or you know maybe some endearment if it was a present, but it would still be produced in a factory at on a mass scale. So that's right. kind of cool. And then if you go a little bit further, and this is kind of covering the whole range, but then you've got smart cities. And smart cities, generally the big applications are going to be in parking. They're going to be in, they're going to be in, in safety. Um, but they can also be starting to interact with vehicles and, you know, and, and interacting with those smart cars. So it, it really, you know, the Internet of Things is, is, one of those, is one of those things that is going to affect every physical object or environment or system that you interact with. You basically name one, choose any. And um, it will be eventually connected, but more importantly, it'll be modeled and it will be then represented on the Internet as a virtual representation that can then be used like we were talking, you know, with the dryer example. 
Well, what are some of the um, applications that excite you most and maybe one or two that scare you most? Well, excite me most, I, you know, I, I work uh, mostly with uh, in the industrial area and commercial area. Yeah, well, the dryer seems to be exciting me a lot, but it's just it's just a it's just a simple example. Um, I think in the areas in the areas of medicine, there's there's a lot of um, things you can do with the Internet of Things that are that that are impossible to do now. You know, here in the United States, um, I recently moved here for a second time from Canada six years ago. The medical industry is just, I think it represents something like one-third of the entire GDP of this country. And so it's very, you know, it's a very costly area. But the other thing, just to give you an example, um, it, can be, it can be used to optimize and then reduce the cost of, let's say, surgeries. And one, one really interesting example is, um, is they call it hip, hip anthroplasty. And so this is hip replacement surgery. Now it turns out when you when you're doing a hip replacement, you're, it's kind of gruesome. I mean, I actually worked for a little while yeah. in a for a company called it's, they did computer assisted surgery, and well, they did physician tools. But you need to pop the hip out. You need to cut the yeah. top of the of the femur off. You need to drill into the pelvis and to put in a cup, and then you basically put the fake you know joint into that cup. Well, it turns out when you're doing this drilling. And when you're doing this sawing on the bones, if you heat the if you heat the bone cells up too hot, too much, they die through a process called necrosis. Now, with the Internet of Things, with sensors, and again modeling this this necrosis of of the temperature of of when cells die, you can build tools that will, no matter what the surgeon does, no matter how hard they push on that drill, you know how long they 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 hold it there. It can then have a model, again, this representation I was talking about, this virtual representation, I call it the software-defined product. It would have a software-defined version of that product that would prevent the surgeon, no matter what they did, to burn out the cells. And so this is, you know, it, it's just, there's, there's millions of different examples, but this one I found quite, quite interesting because it's something that's uh, close to home because my mother is going to be uh, most likely getting hip replacement surgery within the next 6 to uh, 12 months. But I thought that was right. fascinating, right? And I think, you know, that's, that's the real, you know, for everyone listening, what's really interesting in the Internet of Things, again, is not the things. That's kind of the shiny, not the shiny parts that people talk about, but is this virtual representation of the object that when you have it in this mathematical form, you can transform it in different ways. And in the case of this atibular reamer, that's what they call this tool for doing the hip replacement surgery, you can reverse engineer what it takes, you know, to produce that heat and then prevent the rotational speed of that drill, the, the vestibular reamer, from going faster than a certain amount, and then you know just make that surgery less complicated because the biggest the biggest cost on hip replacement surgery is when people come back, and the reason they come back is because this cup I was talking about doesn't have a great fit in the in the uh, bone, and the reason it doesn't have a great fit in the bone is because some of them died, some of those bone cells died, and so it kind of rocks, so it's really painful. And then they have to come back for a new surgery, and it's super expensive. Right. So, so I think the medical area is one is one area that's, uh, that's fascinating and has and has so much uh, potential for the Internet of Things. Yeah, it's like distributed learning using the internet, but then it also uh, takes that learning to physical objects, like you said, a drill, 
So I get, I get when you're talking about that surgery, I could see you're right. It would control the drill so that it wouldn't go and destroy some of the uh, the cells. But you know, images could be called up of other surgeries. Um, they could have insight of something you know seems weird once they get into the hip or yeah. geometry is off. Mm-hmm. Or there's a lot of learning that could be shared and used in that operation in real time, you know, by the surgeons. Yeah, you know, and you're touching on something that gets into, you know, where the real value of the Internet of Things is is in this learning, like you're saying, and it is, I kind of call it the trinity of value, and there's three parts. You've got um, the modeling, so this is that business I was talking about, whether it's bones, modeling when bones die, or how to dry clothes, then you have the analytics, you know, and the analytics we talked about for the dryer was when this thing is going to start squeaking. But like you were alluding to, in the surgery, it could be if, if you're looking at and you're sensing different parts of the patient, you can recognize something is going wrong. Um, and then the third part is the application. So the application that's within the drill or within the dryer and the application within the drill would say, oh, no, no, we don't want to, we got to slow down because we know if we continue at this rate, uh, we need to slow the rotational speed of the, of the reamer down because we're going to kill the drill, we're going to kill the bones. So yeah, it's like this, the learning part of it takes you into this whole area of, of big data and analytics. And with the Internet of Things, I think, you know, that's one of the, one of the biggest uh, components or value is that we're sensing, right? We're, we're pulling lots and lots of data, and then we need to analyze that data. And that is when you, you know, you can start taking advantage of, of history, uh, whether it's surgical history or maintenance history, in the case of a consumer appliance, it's all very similar when you look at it from an analytics point of view. But that's when you start creating, you know, that's you start going, oh, okay, yeah, it makes sense. You know, like as opposed to it's a it's a water bottle that tells you how much you've drank in the day. Okay, you know, I, I suppose, you know, I suppose that's interesting. But you know, this is why this is why a lot of uh, IoT products fail is because of that value, not being able to create enough value and you know, just getting a message on your phone, like when I was in the Sears uh, department store uh, in the appliance section, no, nah, I'm not going to pay $600 more. You know, I, I kind of almost expect that to happen automatically with a contemporary product these days. And so that's that's the challenge, you know, is when you're either you're buying an Internet of Things product or when you're making an Internet of Things product, you need to think about, well, what incremental value can I create and, um, you know, and, and charge for? Interesting. Um, any applications that uh, scare you? I know maybe the the Internet of Surveillance or uh, things like that. <laughs> yeah, you know my. Yeah, I'm. I, I don't get scared. I don't get uh, that. Doesn't frighten me as much. Um, but I think you know the area of, of cybersecurity. I won't. Uh, I'll put my personal opinion aside. But this does have. A lot of potential, uh, a lot of potential problems. You know, it's one thing to be able to hack into someone's phone and see, you know, pictures on the phone. It's another thing, you know, to be able to hack into uh, some large robot, um, whether that's a robot car or a robot manufacturing machine, and being able to, you know, make it do things that it's not intended to do, and then you start putting you know, lives, lives in, in danger. And so, you know, this brings us into, you know, one of the big areas on the Internet of Things right now that's kind of holding back the industry is IoT cybersecurity. And in particular, 
you know, how do we prevent um, these 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 great products, whether they're surgical tools or whether they're home dryers? How do you prevent them from being hacked and then being taken over and and you know, something nefarious being done with them? And so, you know, that is that is a concern because in the virtual domain where the internet has played up to this point in time, yeah, we're going to lose some money. Or we're going to lose maybe our pride a little bit if something if something's hacked. But in the physical world, obviously, there can be uh, a lot bigger ramifications. So, um, so that 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 is a worry. Okay. Um, what do you find in your meetups or when you you know talk about IoT with people that you know, what's their greatest misconception or what do you feel like they should be aware of that they're not? Well, it's kind of what I've been, you know, what I've been um, harping about, harping on here, and that is, you know, I call it like the tail wagging the dog. And I could, I could do consulting uh, with, with companies as well, both on the enterprise side, so companies that are making IoT products and in vendors, companies that are, make, that are selling IoT tech to to companies that make products or bring them in their company. And the tail wagging the dog is, I think, you know, the biggest is the misconception that I uh, more or less start out with. And that is people thinking the Internet of Things is about the things. It's about the, you know, it's about the end things. It's about the sensors. It's about the shiny stuff um, and not, you know, not the, the connectivity in it and not what the, the real Internet can do. And so I think, you know, a big misconception of the Internet of Things is thinking it's just about connectivity, getting that message on your phone, you know, when something happens. But really, as a, you know, as I've been talking about in terms of this, you know, the analytics, the application, the modeling, there's so much more that the Internet can bring to things than just connectivity. And, you know, that's the common theme. I think when people first approach this, they think of it that way because that's the easiest, that's the easiest thing for most writers to, to grok and understand is this connectivity, but when you dig into it a little bit further, it gets down to business. You know, just having that connectivity generally isn't enough, and and so that's that's kind of where I try to steer, um, you know, the meetups that I have, or you know, this is what comes out when I when I do my interviewing for my podcast or for my videos and so forth. Is just trying to go a little bit beyond just the things and understanding how you create value with the internet. Of things and it's it's far more than just that connectivity. Okay, yeah, you gave some great examples. You know, just last last couple of questions. Um, what do you think is reality versus or possible versus fantasy in the next uh, three to five years in the IoT world? Reality versus versus fantasy. Well, I think. I think you know IoT is touching us in so many different areas, and it, and it's happening at different rates in different industries. You know, if you think about that consumer, commercial, industrial, and infrastructure kind of structure I was talking about earlier, I think the reality is that in the next few years we are going to have, you know, just to go on our on our discussions, we are going to have autonomous you know vehicles. Uh, the reality is the, the U.S. government is pushing for autonomous vehicles for one simple fact. And it's because robots are better at, at driving than humans. Uh, and statistically, what we're looking at is for mistakes, um, whether that's through intoxication or whether that's through a, a distraction, um, we're losing 30,000 lives a year on the road. 
And the reason the U.S. government has been pushing uh, up to this point, and I think I think it'll continue with the new administration, but been pushing on on autonomous vehicles, which is the Internet of Things, is because of the safety. So I think we're going to see that, and, I, and I'll be an early I'll be an early adopter. Um, I think I think you know what isn't real is you know people talk about the Internet of Things like the Jetsons, and you know for those that aren't familiar with with that. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a cartoon that, that was pretty old, but it was about the future. And in that future, the home was, you know, completely automated. And it's going to take a bit of time, you know, I think to get that smart home. You know, I have an Amazon Echo, and I, and I think it's awesome. But I mostly use it for, for music, but I still think it's awesome. It's a great interface. But I think what isn't going to be reality is that we're going to have this complete, you know, smart home where you wake up, you know, by the alarm clock, the alarm clock. You know, it turns on, I guess, your coffee maker. It checks the traffic. Um, you go downstairs. The heat's on only where you are. Um, it starts up your, your vehicle. I think, I think again, it's not necessarily – I think the, the things that are holding back the Internet of Things are not the technology, but they're going to be the adoption, the consumer adoption or the business adoption of, of that technology. And so I'd say autonomous vehicles, yep, going to happen. Autonomous homes, I just don't think that people are ready for that. Again, the technology is there, but I don't think that people will pay the money for that, at least for a little while. Gotcha. Anything else uh, I should have asked you that you want to bring up? No, I mean, I think, you know, I think you covered it uh, pretty well. You know, for, you know, for people that are just approaching the Internet of Things, I think the main messages are, you know, just think of it more than just connectivity. And, um, you know, if anyone is interested in, in digging into it a little bit further. Obviously, there's the resources that we talked about earlier on, on my website, IoT Inc., and also I'll be publishing a book, or I have a book being published in June by McGraw-Hill, and that's uh, called IoT Inc., and so um, how your company can use the Internet of Things to win in the outcome economy. And so that's a, you know, that's a way to, to sort of uh, get up on things in a very quick way. That's great. Can people pre-order your book yet on Amazon, or is it out of that stage yet? Not yet, um, but if people, you know, if people want to um, get, if they want to do a pre-ordering, they can go to my my website. I have I have a separate website. It's brucesinclair.net, all one word. And on there, there's there's a there's a book page where we'll be doing some pre-ordering. But the pre-ordering, I believe, will not start until May. So we're you know, we're recording this in, in February of 2017, so still uh, another three months or so. But um, but there's a big, I have a you know a large uh, a large um, a group of people that want to get the advanced copy. So if you're interested, you can just go there and and let me know, and and happy to put you on. I have a book review club, so if you're interested in getting it early, reviewing it, um, you can go to brucesinclair.net and you'll see the book section. And uh, yeah, let me know. All right, that's great. Thanks, Bruce. It's been a really interesting conversation. It sounds uh, amazing what's coming. So thanks so much for your time. No, you're welcome. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, Rich, and and uh, hope to talk to you soon. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.